Philadelphia Eagles came into this season and into this game with high hopes to defend their NFC title. And they came into this game with those same high hopes, even though they were in the middle of a free fall. Well, the Eagles came into this game and that free fall came finally to a crashing halt as the Eagles dropped an absolute dud against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, losing by a final score of 32-9. to Welcome to the Bird's Nest Podcast. I'm Joe Donahue. Thank you so much for joining us. Philadelphia Eagles losing in the wild card round, get eliminated from the playoffs by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For the second time in three seasons, they have been eliminated by the Bucs. And listen, this is not a great game, but it was winnable for this team. Unfortunately, the team didn't show up to play and it definitely didn't show up with a sense of mission or shared identity. And that is absolutely frustrating. And look, if the Eagles had dropped it in a very close last second, came down to the last possession kind of game, maybe I'm not as disappointed. But this game was just absolutely emblematic of the back half of the season that has been just absolutely deflating for Eagles fans. The Eagles had the ball for 25 minutes and 57 seconds during the entirety of the game, which means that the Buccaneers had the ball for 34 minutes and 3 seconds. The Buccaneers outgained the Eagles offensively 426 yards to 276 yards. There is very simply put no excuse for this kind of lackluster effort by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles allowed a lot of that during the first quarter of the game, but the Eagles' defense was able to stabilize, and they were able to come up with some key plays, notably sacks. Baker Mayfield was sacked four times, and it cost the Buccaneers' offense 30 yards. And the Eagles were able to keep the Buccaneers below 50%, in the third down conversion ratio. Additionally, the Eagles were able to get themselves into very close situations where they were almost able to pick off Baker Mayfield. But Baker Mayfield did go 22 for 36, 337 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So he was able to recover from the four sacks that he sustained, and he was able to lead his team to an absolutely stellar performance against an Eagles team that has been in freefall. It looked like the Buccaneers had won five of their last six going into the playoffs, and it looked like the Eagles had lost five of their last six. But the Eagles' defense was able to stabilize and was able to give the offense every opportunity that it could to be able to get down the field. The Buccaneers only scored three touchdowns, two of them coming in the second half, in what wound up becoming garbage time pretty quickly. Only one of them came while the game was still fairly close. The Eagles' defense was really able to hold the Buccaneers for the most part to field goals and punts, which is an awesome feat for a defense that is contending with a Buccaneers offense that is riding the hot hand. But where the defense was able to deliver, the Eagles' offense very simply put, was not. The Eagles offense was spinning its wheels all game and it showed. Jalen Hurts, 25 for 35, 
250 yards, three sacks, one touchdown. His longest pass was a 55-yard bomb to Devontae Smith, who, with A.J. Brown out dealing with a knee injury, was the number one receiver for the Eagles and almost had a 150-yard game. He went eight catches on 12 targets for 148 yards, including that 55-yard bomb. Swift also got into the mix into the passing game, four catches on four targets for 32 yards. Julio Jones was sort of the third receiver alongside Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard had six targets and four catches for 21 yards. Julio Jones had three catches on three targets for 22 yards. Julio Jones unfortunately had to leave the game early due to a concussion protocol situation that he had to go through. So the remainder of the receiving yards were brought up by Quez Watkins, by Kenny Gainwell, and Alameda Zacchaeus. So the Eagles passing game was weak, and the Eagles run game was almost non-existent. The Eagles carried the ball 15 times, and if you eliminate the five-yard run by Jalen Hurts that occurred during the game, on the 14 carries that occurred between the running backs DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell, most of them coming from DeAndre Swift, 10 carries, the Eagles got 37 yards from their running backs, 34 of them coming from Swift. The Eagles' offense has very simply put an inexcusably bad this game and it wasn't just because of offensive production or anything necessarily the players were doing themselves it was everything involved the first two drives that the Philadelphia Eagles had the Eagles were able to get themselves into third and short situations on their first drive the Eagles got themselves into third and two and instead of doing something easy to pick up the two yards which would have been for example handing the ball off to the running back and letting the running back pick that up and converting and allowing the team to march down the field and continue a drive and dictate the flow of the game as the Eagles were able to effectively do during their first matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jalen Hurts goes and throws a deep ball into traffic and it of course lands incomplete and the Eagles have to march off of the field. On their second drive of the game, the Eagles got themselves into third and three, and you'd think that they would have learned their lesson from the previous drive. But instead, after seeing DeAndre Swift run for a few yards, and then throwing a quick short pass to Quez Watkins on one of those wide receiver screens that doesn't always work, Jalen Hurts threw another pass to Dallas Goddard, and he was not able to bring that one in either. And so the Eagles, on their first two drives, had the punt, while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had scored on their first two drives. And in fact, during the entirety of the game, the Eagles didn't convert a single third down. The only time they got close was because the Buccaneers were called for pass interference on a third down that rescued a drive that remained short-lived. And all of the Eagles' third down calls were passing plays. And nowhere was the poor decision-making of this game more evident than when Jalen Hurts was on third and six from the Eagles' own 14 in the third quarter, and Jalen Hurts is called for intentional grounding in the end zone because he's trying to avoid a sack in the end zone that resulted in a safety. So Hurts started the play at the 14-yard line, and the play 
ended in a safety. That is unacceptable. And after a play like that, honestly, the Philadelphia Eagles deserve to be bounced from the playoffs. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dictated the flow of this game completely. And nowhere was that fact more evident after the Eagles' lone touchdown, which came during the second quarter, that was set up by the 55-yard bomb to Devontae Smith, and it was scored off of the pass to Dallas Goddard. The Eagles were able to get the Buccaneers to jump off sides during the point-after-touchdown attempt, and in those situations, as is Nick Sirianni's practice, he always goes for two. The Eagles lined up for their signature play, the brotherly shove, which has for the most part gone unstopped over the course of the season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers denied the Eagles the two-point conversion attempt. While, yes, the Buccaneers might have gotten away with the face mask, the bottom line was that Hertz didn't even cross and didn't even come close to crossing the plane of the goal line. So the Buccaneers were able to control the game, and they were able to control the Eagles from start to finish. And good game to the Buccaneers, because they came in wanting to win this game, whereas the Eagles came in hesitant, tentative, unsure of themselves. It seemed throughout the course of this game that they forgot who they were playing for, and they forgot about their mission to defend their NFC title and to get back to the Super Bowl. And now they head home on the plane trying to come up with all kinds of answers to questions that face them. Aging veterans are facing retirement. Jason Kelsey probably looking to get himself into that retirement phase. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, these guys are on one-year deals. And finding players to plug those holes is going to be a challenge for Howie Roseman because those guys have been staples of this team for years. But the Eagles, just as much as they're going to need to make player decisions and maybe move on from certain players who haven't been contributing quite as much, are also going to be faced with coaching decisions. Now, this is not new conversation for the Eagles, obviously. Special teams coordinator Michael Clay was on the hot seat last season following poor special teams play. But Clay, to his credit, was able to turn it around for the most part and was able to get the Eagles special teams unit so that it wasn't, at the very least, detracting from the game. But there were certainly more glaring holes on the other two more important units, and this is something that the Eagles are going to have to face. Do you let Brian Johnson continue as offensive coordinator, or do you encourage him to take the interview with Carolina, as has been rumored? Do you encourage him take a demotion to go back to being the quarterback's coach where he was able to work with Jalen Hurts and have that kind of strong relationship. On the defensive side of the football, very likely at this point, Sean Desai is going to be looking for a new job. Sean Desai had his play calling responsibility stripped earlier in the season, given to Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia could be tapped to fill the defensive coordinator spot. He's done that job before with the New England Patriots. Who knows what might be happening on that front there. And then there's the question of Nick Sirianni. The summary is, while record-wise, I wouldn't move on from a head coach who brought the Eagles to three playoff appearances in each of his first three seasons, a feat that no other Eagles head coach has accomplished. 
There's also an argument to be said about the culture of the locker room. And when the locker room loses its mission and its identity and is never even able to find that, which is something that Jalen Hurts has been talking about since training camp, I think that might be something that would prompt Jeffrey Lurie, who is the person who makes the hiring decision for the head coaching position. It is something that has been his since he took over in 1994. Losing control of the locker room might be something that gives him pause about retaining Sirianni for additional seasons. We'll see how the news breaks. There's definitely going to be opportunity for that discussion. We'll see where the Eagles move over the next few days and over the course of the next few weeks. But for now, the Eagles' 2023-2024 season began with high hopes and ended in disappointment just like this game began with high hopes, with the Eagles coming in off of a great weekend, with the Dallas Cowboys getting bounced from the playoffs in the wild card round, not even being able to put up much of a fight in that game, and ended in disappointment with the Eagles getting bounced from the playoffs and having all kinds of questions. But as always, let me know what you think in the comments below. What are your thoughts about this game? Do you have any bright spots as the Eagles move into the offseason? What are your thoughts going forward? Let me know. And thank you so much for tuning into the Bird's Nest Podcast. This channel wouldn't be what it is without your support. And I genuinely, genuinely appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to tune in, to support, like, comment, subscribe, tune into the game streams, etc., whether you're an Eagles fan, whether you're not an Eagles fan, whether you're tuning in just to get closer to the sport that you enjoy, to a team that you feel passionate about, I hope that I'm able to do that for you and help you get closer to this team. And if I'm able to do that, even in the smallest way, then I've done a really good job in my opinion, and I wouldn't be able to do this without you and without your support. This is Bird's Nest Media's first year of coverage of the Philadelphia Eagles. We started back in the NFC Championship game was when this channel was launched, and we brought you the coverage of the Eagles' appearance in the NFC Championship game last season and Super Bowl 57 coverage surrounding that, and we brought you additional coverage throughout the offseason and over the course of this season. This channel has grown, and it is because of you that it has grown, because of your support. And I hope to continue to bring you awesome content over the course of the next several weeks. Probably we'll take a look at some of the playoff stuff that's going on now. Of course, we will bring you Eagles news as it happens. And of course, with the offseason upcoming, we'll have some more content and some exciting opportunities stemming out of that. So... Stay tuned for more coming from that. Even though we're moving into the offseason, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm stepping away from the channel. Bring it through the offseason and back to training camp, which already feels like it's just around the corner. Thank you so much for supporting Bird's Nest Media and for tuning into the Bird's Nest Podcast. You can support the Bird's Nest Podcast by liking and subscribing to Bird's Nest Media right here on YouTube, as well as by sharing to your social media pages. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. Please visit birdsnestmedia.com for additional Eagles coverage. And if you feel so inclined to support us in a different way, 
You can find the link to our Patreon in the description below or at birdsnestmedia.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Joe Donahue, and it's been a pleasure to bring you the coverage of the 2023 Eagles season. And as always, let's go Eagles. Go Birds, everybody. (laughs) 